Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Wednesday, or, well, as you're listening, it's Wednesday morning. As we are recording, it's Tuesday after work. And we are here to talk about, well, the University of Michigan in a game that, unless you're living under a rock, a phrase that I've seen in every article that has been written all week, uh, is being played on Saturday at noon. So, Scott, uh, like I said, Tuesday after work as we're recording this bad boy. How are we doing today? Yeah, we're going to break it up. We're going to use the uh, coming out of a coma analogy just to, to add a little flavor to the uh, content rolling around the Spartan sphere this fine week. So, I mean, a game that needs no introduction. We're going to break it down. I'm excited for this one. I think it's a phenomenal matchup. Uh, predictions will be will have to be saved until Friday. So if you're here for a prediction, stay for the analysis. But uh, you're going to have to stick around an extra couple days to hear our who we think is going to win. But all that to say, it's Michigan week. It's hate week. It's rivalry week. It's whatever you want to call it. It's a long week. I can tell you that much for everyone. This week is it's a, like you said, it's Tuesday night. It feels like it should be Thursday or Friday by now. The week is crawling by, but. Saturday will come along and we'll have a hell of a game to watch. I can't tell you how many times I've already listened to the Mark D'Antonio pride because pride comes before the fall, uh, like little clip that goes around Twitter, probably 25 times already this week, man. I'm so excited. There was, I got to give a shout out to a crafty consumer on Twitter who put together the Homer Simpson going to, to strangle and wake up Bart with the, uh, in Homer Simpson's voice, the trouble with the snap call, that is some of the best Twittering and social media-ing I've ever seen. That was phenomenal content. If you haven't, go check out at Crafty Consumer on Twitter. I, I think that thing's got like 150,000 views or something last I saw, but um, man, that that's good stuff. Yeah, there, there's a bunch coming out, you know, already early this week and it's like you said, man, it's a long week. It, I, I can't believe it's only Tuesday and we got I, another, what, four days to wait until this game kicks off, man. It's, it's going to be a long week. We, the, the advice that we gave on Monday still stands, uh, pace yourself. Don't get too personal on social media, have some fun with it, but, uh, uh make sure you know where the line is. Um, but yeah, if, if you haven't listened Monday, we did a full 
historical breakdown of the rivalry. We went way back into some matchups in like the 1910s, told some fun stories that we read about from there. And then we went into kind of our superlatives where it was more focused on kind of modern stuff from the last couple of years of the rivalry, really satisfying moments, great individual performances. So if you're looking for a kind of nostalgic walk down memory lane, uh, make sure you go back on Monday and listen to that. But yeah, it's going to be a hell of a matchup. Like you said, we're going to get into all of it before we do. We got a word from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, which has you covered this week. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if you, if they do, you win $200 in free. I almost said $200,000. Um, I'm sorry, DraftKings for that. Not quite, but still $200 in free bets. It's just that simple. If DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. You can still play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. I know obviously basketball is kicking or tipping off here. Hockey is is starting. They got uh, a lot of fun stuff there. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are an extremely proud member. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Scott, like we said on Monday, we went into kind of a, a history lesson for everybody. We went into a nostalgic mode there for a while, talking about the great minus 48 rushing yards game and the, the state game and trouble with the snap. Today is all about this week. It's all about this year. It's all about Mel Tucker versus Jim Harbaugh. It's all about Peyton Thorne versus Cade McNamara. Uh, where do you want to start with this one? Oh, well, uh, let's start uh, from the beginning. Um, starting with Michigan up front, I think one of the best matchups of the of the game, maybe the best matchup of the game is going to be Michigan's offensive line against Michigan State's defensive line. Um, when you look at Michigan's offensive line, it starts with their center of Astartes, who is one of the better centers in the Big Ten. Not the best, but one of the better uh, centers in the Big Ten. And they, I mean, they're great run blockers, right? This is what Jim Harbaugh brought them in to do. This is what they've been doing all year. They're averaging more than double the rushing yards of their opponents. They're averaging almost four rushing touchdowns a game this season. And it's what they're going to try to do first. I'm not, I'm not saying it's all they're going to try to do against Michigan, uh, MSU, but it's what they're going to try to do first. They're going to test our run defense. And, uh, and it's, I mean, it's a phenomenal matchup. Like I said, it might be the best on the field. You're going up against a couple of defensive tackles at Michigan state with Simeon Barrow and Jacob Slade, who are continuing to improve and maybe a top unit in the big 10 on the inside and, uh, and so plenty of run support on the outside as well on the defensive line. So when you look at that matchup, Kevin, anything stick out to you? Yeah. I mean, it, the, the thing with, when you're looking at Michigan state's defensive line, it's a stout 
unit. And we've talked about it all year with the rotation that we bring to the table with Jacob Slade, with Simeon Barrow really coming into their own as starting defensive tackles, but behind them, Maverick Hansen, And we know what we have on the outside with hopefully Drew Beasley coming back. There's been some, some chatter about that on the interwebs here this week, but, uh, no, we know we have a good group up front on the defensive line. And when you look at what Michigan has faced so far this year, um, obviously Wisconsin poses a real threat with their front seven. We know what Nebraska can can bring to the table with their front seven. We saw that firsthand a few weeks back. Um, Washington, for as bad as they've been at times this year, the strength of that team is through the defensive front seven. So they've played some great fronts this year. I, I would argue that Michigan state is right there among the best. I, I wouldn't say right now that we are better than Wisconsin or anything like that, but it's, it's certainly a group that can test Michigan. And, and, and like you said, these guys are great run blockers. That's, that's what they were brought in to do. When you look at their yards per carry and when you look at, you know, the room that Haskins and Corum have to run, but the one thing when I was going back and watching some of these games uh, their last couple of weeks is they're great run blockers. The, the pass blocking has left a little bit to be desired at times. Uh, we were, I just shared a clip with you right before we started. There was, uh, I was watching the Northwestern, uh, just the highlights from that game to, to catch myself up here. And there was a, a safety blitz. It was right early second quarter, late first quarter. And the the offensive line just completely missed him. I mean, didn't even see him coming. The right guard went over to help his the left side of the line who needed no help because they were only rushing two over there and they had four guys to block him and just completely missed the safety who screamed down the center of the field and, and came in for the sack on McNamara. So, you know, that was something that just kind of popped up as like, you know, as 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 you look at this offensive line, it's a great run blocking unit, but I wouldn't quite say that it's a, it's a complete dominant, you know, all sides of the, all sides of the token kind of unit there. They are beatable in pass protection for sure. And when you look at Jacob Panishuk, when you look at especially Slade Barrow, what they can do in the middle, um, this is a, a defensive line that has proved they're able to get in the backfield time and time again. So um, it's going to be a key matchup both in the pass game and in the run game. Uh, but it's one that I think Michigan State can match up with pretty well. Yeah, I think that brings us to uh, the first kind of big key of this game, right? And I mean, it's no surprise to anyone, stop Michigan's running game, slow down Michigan's running game, force Cade McNamara to make throws. Um, I don't, I'm not in the camp that if um, Cade McNamara has to throw a little bit that Michigan's going to lose automatically. I mean, I think Peyton Thorne's a better quarterback than Cade McNamara, but I think Michigan State fans like to pile on Cade a little bit more than what he's shown. I mean, he's a, he's a serviceable quarterback. He makes some throws. And that routes develop because it's short yardage as tight ends can turn around four yards down the field and, uh, and get open. It's going to be really hard to slow them down, but if you can force them into second and 10 second and 11, third and eight, and he has to actually let something develop. And then you get that uh, pass rush some time to get home. I think that's really where you can see it, uh, you know, 
do its work. Um, and we mentioned this Michigan, they love to run the ball, but they've been great at converting. And that's not just because of running. They can, they're effective enough in short yardage passing as well. So um, can that front four for Michigan state and just the run stopping unit in general force them to get behind schedule on second and third down and force Cade McNamara to make some deeper throws into the teeth of the defense. Yeah. And, and with the run game as well, I, and, and again, apologies, this happened Monday too. I know uh, we're, we're dealing with some internet stuff. I don't, I don't know what's going on here, but um, no, and I was looking at this too, with, when you look at the run game is our safeties are going to be huge in this matchup and Xavier Henderson and Angelo gross have been awesome this year. And when you look at Blake Corum, especially he's, he's a big play guy. He's got serious speed uh, when he gets to the edge. Uh, these are two safeties who have shown the ability to not only make open field tackles, but put themselves in position for those open field tackles. And when they're coming downhill, they're taking proper pursuit angles. And I, I remember back in the Washington game, when Michigan was playing Washington, Blake Corum had a long touchdown in that game there was a safety that should have easily made that play. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying behind the line of scrimmage or anything, but that should have been a 10 yard carry, not a 70 yard touchdown or whatever it was. The safety just took a horrendous angle to the ball carrier. And that's, that's a mistake I don't see happening from, from Henderson or gross. So they're going to be huge in terms of stopping the run and not necessarily in terms of the traditional, yeah, put another guy down in the box and, and stack them up at the line of scrimmage. But in terms of making a, a 10 yard carry, a 10 yard carry and not allowing that 10 yard carry to be a 70 yard carry. So um, they're going to be huge in this game. Uh, not only in stopping, obviously, the passing attack of Michigan that has, you know, shown some promise and some ability, like you mentioned, but in terms of kind of containing that run game and not letting those pop those big plays that can really break a game open. Um, and then when Michigan does have to pass the ball, one matchup that I, I do like for us is the way that Ronald Williams and Chaz Kimbrough have really stepped up as this year has gone on in, in man-to-man coverage. They're both really physical players and Michigan hasn't really shown a lot in the deep ball so far this year. A lot of their stuff is, is short intermediate routes that you can really disrupt with physical play from corners. And, and I think Ronald Williams and Kimbrough, they have not only the size and the length, but that physical mentality to really throw those guys off their routes and, and not allow them to, to get open and get that step or two of, of separation to get a third and five, to get a third and six if they need one. So uh, that's a matchup I really like is our corners on the outside against their wide receivers who haven't really proved a whole lot. I know they're talented with, with Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson, but I, I think our corners can line up step for step with them if we need them to on the outside and and really allow the rest of the defense to to contain that run game. So that that's going to be something I'm really looking for is if, if Kimbrough and Williams can lock up their guys on the outside, that really means that those safeties can really play a lot more free focus a lot more on the run game. Um, whereas if, if our corners are getting beat, if you know, you look at a guy like Roman Wilson, who's had a couple big plays or Cornelius Johnson on the outside or, um, Eric, all the tight end, even like if, if some of these guys are starting to break loose into the secondary and you're going to have to put two high safeties up to, to keep them away from that pass game, uh, that's when their running game really starts to do, to, to do some damage. So 
looking for the DBs to be huge in this one, which is something you don't really regularly say in a, in a game against a, a heavy run team like Michigan. But um, the way I'm looking at it, those guys are going to have to step up huge to allow that front seven to be more flexible and to allow the safeties to, to really focus on that run game. Yeah, and the last kind of group we haven't touched on on MSU's defense is the linebackers. Um, I want to mention specifically that Quiveris Crouch has had generally a, a really good season so far. He's picking up the playbook well, and he's uh, he's he's been great in pass rush. He's been great as a run stopper. But um, if there's one area on our run stopping group that's struggled at times, it is uh, Quaveras Crouch's alignments, his his gap integrity. At times, there was a play against Indiana where him and Cal Halliday both just attacked the same A gap, and it was it was pretty clearly Halliday's gap, and and the runner went through the B gap where um, Crouch should have been, and uh, and it was an explosive play. It was like a 30, 40 yard run, um, and that's all it takes, you know. And that that was Indiana and Michigan will gash you even worse. So that all it takes is one guy missing his gap. So. Um, you're going to need him to be on his game and everyone's going to have to be on their game in their gaps and with their assignments to stop this Michigan running game, because, you know, a lot's been made of who the best running back in the rivalry is Kenneth Walker, Blake Corum, Hassan Haskins, whoever it is, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, Michigan has a phenomenal pair of running backs. I mean, Michigan state would be happy and lucky to have either of these guys as well. Um, they're, they're phenomenal players and, and they're, they're brutal to go up against. I mean, Blake Coram's not just a speed guy. He can run up the middle, make you miss in a, in a um, phone booth. And, uh, and Hassan Haskins will run you right over. I mean, we saw it last week and um, it's a tough matchup and everyone's going to have to be on their game to stop the run. And like you mentioned, the second to keep everything contained. Uh, but I do expect Michigan to have some success moving the ball, just like every other opponent we've faced, right? I mean, it's it's the bend, don't break, whether you want to call it that or not. At the end of the day, between the 20s, our defense is uh, is pretty conservative in uh, taking away the big stuff and and maybe at the uh, at the expense of some of the smaller ticky, ticky-tack stuff, giving up some conversions. So when Michigan does get down into the red zone, into the scoring area, I think their ability to punch it in or not could be the difference it likely will be the difference in this game right our offense we'll get to that i think is going to be able to put up some points so is is michigan uh going to be able are they going to be kicking field goals or are they going to be scoring touchdowns um and i think that could be could be the difference so as you get down into the red zone kevin how do you think this michigan offense would would look to get through uh the spartan defense yeah, there was, I'll, I'll kind of set this up with a, a really good article I read. Um, if if anybody subscribes to The Athletic, uh, there was a, an article on the Michigan side from Nick Baumgartner, who really detailed, you know, the, the basically the title was how Michigan can beat Michigan State. So, you know, kind of went through some of the keys there. And one really interesting point that he made was about the linebackers of Michigan State and how last year, Antoine Simmons, as we remember, played the game of his life, just absolutely dominated that game from start to finish. And one of the points he made was Michigan does a lot of eye candy stuff. You know, they're they're putting guys in motion pre-snap. They're putting a tight end back in the backfield as a fullback, and then they're splitting them out wide, and then they're bringing a wide receiver on a fake jet sweep. They're doing a lot of that stuff. And last year, Antoine Simmons wasn't buying any of it. 
and, and just really stay disciplined with his eyes and, and followed the ball. And we saw him make tackles at or behind the line of scrimmage all day long. And that's the challenge here for Quivera's crouch for Cal Halliday to, to stay disciplined, to watch that tape from Simmons last year and, and basically replicate it, which I know is really hard, but no, when it, when it comes time to, to the red zone, like you said, that's, that's been our bread and butter all year long. The, the troubling thing, if you're a Michigan state fan looking for reasons to worry, I don't know why you would be looking actively for reasons to worry, but the thing is we haven't really played a good running attack yet this year. And that's one thing that does worry me a little bit as we look at, you know, kind of predictions and one, what might come out of this. I mean, Northwestern, not really Youngstown state. No Miami. Uh, they got a good running quarterback, but they didn't have a, a good productive, like running back, you know, two tight ends and a fullback down at the goal line running game. That's not their thing. Nebraska doesn't have a great running game outside of their quarterback. Western Kentucky doesn't even try to run the ball. Rutgers, Indiana. We saw those. I, we just haven't really played a good proven running attack. And so when it comes to our success so far this year, and yeah, we allow teams to get into the red zone, but then we shut them down. Uh, a kryptonite to that can be a strong running game that can just bully you up front, win one-to-one blocks, and and get those three, four yards that you need to to keep the chains moving down towards the down towards the red area, and then ultimately get it into the end zone when you have first and goal from the eight, and you run the ball three straight times and get it into the end zone. Uh, that's something we haven't really faced yet this year. And that's going to be a challenge for, for this defense and especially for this front seven. So it's going to be on the linebackers to stay disciplined. It's going to be on the the defensive tackles to win their battles and, and allow the linebackers to, to kind of flow through the offensive line and, and find those running backs, but it's going to be a big challenge. And, and I think Michigan state's up for it. I think Scotty Hazleton through uh, through the bye week has had time to really figure out what the plan is against this Michigan ground attack. Um, but it, it's definitely going to be a challenge for him. Yeah. As a point of reference, the best I'm looking at average yards per rush as a team um, nationally, the best opponent we've faced was Nebraska with 38th in the country at 4.8 yards per rush, Michigan's 14th at 5.5 and if you're curious Michigan State's 24th at 5.1 so Michigan by far in that metric I mean you could probably pull up most rushing metrics averages and you'd find something similar but they're they're certainly the best rushing attack we've faced this year both their running backs and I think probably their uh their run blocking as well so you're right it's it's going to be tough and that's I mean I was listening to the the Manning broadcast on Monday Night Football last night and they had Russell Wilson on uh, or not Russell Wilson. Um, who was it? It might've been Tom Brady, but anyway, they, they asked, you know, what's the hardest to defend and how do you want to score something along those lines? And uh, Tom Brady was saying, first and foremost, you want to run the ball. It's always easiest to score on the ground. And we're not going to have to beg Jim Harbaugh to call running plays in that, in that area. So, you know, it's going to be coming and it's not just up to the front four, front five, front six, it's going to be a team effort, right? It's going to take nine, sometimes 10 or 11 guys to, uh, to get in there and stack up and stop those run plays when things get tight. So um, we saw it last year, right. And you mentioned Antoine Simmons game and we had that, uh, that goal line stand where second and third down inexplicably Jim Harbaugh rolled out wildcat, 
we stopped it. And then they had that fourth down that Antoine Simmons made that incredible uh, play to back up and, and tip the ball before the tight end brought it down. Uh, we're going to see a lot of that again, just everybody in a phone booth together. Um, a lot of eyes going a lot of different directions. And at the end of the day, you just got to push your guy back and, uh, and make the plays. So those, those moments are going to come. They happen pretty much every time we play Michigan and uh, I don't expect anything different uh, come this Saturday. I, somebody posted on a Facebook group uh, earlier today that Antoine Simmons is selling selling Chevys at a suburban dealership in Metro Ann Arbor. And after rewatching that Michigan game from last year, like that's a damn shame, man. He was such a good football player. Just unfortunately a little bit athletically limited, but man, that was the game of his life. That was the season of his life. I I'm really going to miss that guy around East Lansing. Um, before we get on past it, you know, the, it, a lot's going to be made as it always is every year on the TV broadcast. The, the rushing leader from this game has gone on to win 45 of the last 51 matchups. Um, so keep that in mind. Again, it's, it's uh, one of those trends that tends to follow this rivalry and, you know, a lot of those exceptions of those six exceptions, uh, five of them were since 2000. So you can say, you know, the game has changed a little bit last year. Obviously we weren't even really able to run the ball, but it didn't matter because it's becoming more of a passing game, but that still stands to reason that since 2000, there have only been five games where, uh, the, the rushing leader didn't end up winning the game. So it's still super critical in this physical, physical football game. Uh, we know how physical and chippy this game has been and, and will continue to be, um, I I was looking through this, Scott, like, you know, before we get to Michigan state on offense, I think we have a second here to, to bring it up. Like I know uh, Xavier Henderson was talking about on his press availability, like um, how Mel Tucker has been trying to get these guys up to speed on the rivalry. And he, you know, a lot of these new guys, uh, whether it's the transfers, whether it's the freshmen and, you know, he was talking about how he did like a whole presentation basically on the history of the rivalry on the history of Paul Bunyan. And, um, the, the thing that really makes me feel good about this, you know, we, some people have kind of pondered out there, like, is, is a guy like, I don't know, Drew Jordan, a transfer from Duke originally from Georgia, you know, you look at, I don't know, Quiveris Crouch transferred from Tennessee was born in North Carolina. Like these guys have no personal attachment to this rivalry whatsoever, right? How are they going to, to really dive into this and, and learn to hate Michigan from year one, Ronald Williams coming in via Louisiana and the university of Alabama. Like some of these guys just have no experience in the rivalry, but you look at, you know, top to bottom, we got a bunch of experienced players who have played in it. And beyond that, you got guys like Harlan Barnett, and Courtney Hawkins who played at Michigan state and who have played in this rivalry and who are now coaching. So I, I think as far as the passion uh, giving these coaches two weeks to really prepare their team for what this is going to look like. And I'm sure they're showing clips of, of years past. I'm sure they've shown Michigan driving the stake. I'm sure they've shown Devin Bush tearing up the logo. I'm sure they're trying to, to really get all of the hate that they possibly can into this new batch of, of MSU players to, to get them ready for this rivalry, because we've seen it year in, year out, man, the, the more physical, the more chippy, the more, uh, 
ready to go and, and revved up and violent team usually wins this one. So I'm really curious to see early in this game, how some of these transfers respond is Quaver's crouch going to come in and try to take somebody's head off uh, in the opening drive as he has been known to do the past couple of weeks. Uh, that that's going to be really interesting. Yeah. And I don't remember who said it, um, but one of the players was being interviewed and, and it, may, it may have been Xavier Henderson. And they were talking about the same thing. It was probably the same interview. And uh, he said something along the lines of when you get into the atmosphere, you just kind of absorb it. You just kind of feel it. And, you know, we've played sports. I mean, granted it was high school sports, but there's something about a rivalry. It's, it's, it's not always something you have to think about or convince yourself. You hate the, it's, you just kind of, you get in that environment and sure being in it longer, maybe stirs up some stronger emotions, but um, you just kind of know, and you know, you take a guy like Quaveras Crouch coming up from Tennessee, right? he knows what it feels like to, to play Georgia or Florida or any of those sec rivals that he had. And I think it, you just naturally, you get in these big games, you can feel that tension and you, you kind of, these guys can tap into that, right. That energy, that rivalry emotion uh, almost naturally. And uh, yeah, I think as soon as that first, you know, the toe meets the, uh, the leather, I think all these guys will be ready to go and, and I have no doubt Mel Tucker is a great motivator and the staff is a great motivator. And it's, it's actually one area, you know, I was watching, uh, I watched both press conferences or at least caught up on them. Mel Tucker versus uh, Jim Harbaugh from earlier this week. And, you know, they get asked similar questions. What does this game mean to you? Or what does it mean to the program? What would a win mean for this program? And there's just a different energy. And D'Antonio had this too, where, where Tucker comes to the podium and, you know, he calls it the school down the road and he, he just has a scowl on his face whenever he's talking about him. And then you've got Jim Harbaugh and it feels like it's always been this way where he just kind of tries to take the high road and he'll acknowledge that it's a rivalry or he'll acknowledge that it means a little bit more, but usually he's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's another step on our path. It's, it's, it's the next game we got to win. And sometimes I sit there and I'm like, I, it doesn't make sense to me why you wouldn't want your guys putting a little bit more into this one, because you know, your opponent is going to be putting a little bit more into this one. And it feels like it's always been a leg up that Michigan state has. And after losses, sometimes you'll see Michigan fans saying like, I just don't get why our team doesn't match that energy. And I think it's been one of the top lasting advantages that Michigan state has in this game year in and year out, uh, at least when it's moderately competitive, right. And, and both teams, feel like they have a chance to win the game that year. And, and I'm feeling it again a little bit this year from watching those press conferences where, you know, the folks down in Ann Arbor are just taking a little bit of an approach, like just another game on our schedule. And uh, we'll see what it looks like on the field. Hopefully they, they roll out that same attitude uh, on Saturday. You, you would think that because they've lost like 150 games in a row to Ohio state, that at a certain point, the coaching staff and the players would be like, all right, that rivalry, let's, let's, let's put that one to the side for now until we get competitive. And there's one rivalry that, that may be winnable from year to year. Um, let's focus on that one first, and then we'll get to Ohio state when the time comes. And they just, like you said, they, they just haven't really seemed willing to do that for whatever reason. And it has been a leg up for us over the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, 10 years that, that Michigan state has always seemed more 
more violent, more angry, more ready to go in this matchup for whatever reason. So yeah, I, there is something to that. I, I think you're absolutely right there. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, we'll, we'll kind of switch gears here for, for Michigan state. I think there are a few keys here. I'm going to start with Peyton Thorne who has been playing an excellent, uh, who's had an excellent season. He's been playing great game in game out last week, probably his toughest game uh, of his career. You could argue against Indiana uh, really struggled at times through some bad balls. Uh, statistically, obviously he comes out of it with 126 yards, two picks and one touchdown, 53% completion percentage. Now he's had a couple weeks to, to go over that tape and figure out what the hell happened out there. But um, it was a little bit worrying as a Michigan state fan to see that when Indiana did bottle up Kenneth Walker, that the passing game wasn't there to save the day uh, necessarily. So I, I think Peyton Thorne's going to be huge in this one. We talked about it last week. Uh, I, I think the play action is going to be huge in this matchup in a game that's really physical and that, you know, the, the front seven is, is ready to go to stop Kenneth Walker. They've, you know, we talk about bulletin board material all the time. I mean, this Michigan front seven has seen nothing but Kenneth Walker for Heisman, Kenneth Walker, midseason all American. They've seen Kenneth Walker be put right up ahead of their guys. You know, we, we talk about it from our side all the time, but um, as far as the disrespect card, you know, those Michigan defenders are thinking, Hey, we got the two best running backs in the country. And all they're doing is talk about that Kenneth Walker kid over at Michigan state. Like we're going to show him. Um, so I think this front seven is going to be ready to go as far as trying to stop Kenneth Walker. So that might open up a little bit of window in the play action here. Uh, Peyton Thorne has been over 14 yards per attempt, uh, not per completion per attempt on, on play action so far this year nine touchdowns to one interception. I think that is something that's going to be available in this game. I Northwestern had it from time to time. They, they had some wide open throws on play action and, and that's Northwestern's offense. So if we can get some of those matchups on top of that, I think if you're going to beat this Michigan defense in one way, if, if there's one unit that is gettable, it's their corners who have struggled at times this year in, in keeping one-on-one -on -one coverage. The, the new defensive coordinator down there, he has had to play a lot of two high safeties, which I, I don't think is something he really wants to do. I think he wants to be a little bit more aggressive. I think he wants to play a little more single high when he can and bring, bring some blitzes and be more creative, but he's had to put too high uh, a lot of times because those corners are getting beat and he just needs somebody there to make sure they're, they're stopping the big plays. So um, if we can threaten those corners early and, and force them to put two safeties up over the top and allow Kenneth Walker, a little bit of room down there uh, to run, I think that, that we're going to be a little bit more flexible here. Play action is going to be huge and, and Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor being able to beat their guys one-on-one -on -one I think could be a huge recipe for success for the Michigan state offense on Saturday. Yeah. I think play action is going to have to be there. Like you said, I, I, the weakness of this Michigan defense, it gets weaker as you get further from the ball. There are their defensive line, just like our defensive line is the strongest unit on their defense. Their linebackers are pretty solid. They're still getting the hang of things just like our linebackers and their secondary is a little bit shaky. I wouldn't necessarily say the same about ours, Earlier in the season, they were shakier. They're coming along a little bit better. I think our secondary versus theirs is a strength for us. 
Um, and our, obviously our wide receivers are a strength of the entire team. So you're going to have to take advantage of the advantage of that, which means Peyton Thorne is going to have to be on his game on those play action shots. Um, but again, it starts in the trenches. And if you don't have the pass protection uh, and given the time, it's going to be hard to hit those shots because you need time to, to let it develop. Um, one of the best players in the country, Aiden Hutchinson, will be across the ball from us. And he may be the best one-on-one defender in the country. I, I don't know. I'm, I don't think I'm qualified to say exactly who is, uh, but he's up there certainly. And he's that good. Um, I, there's plenty of Michigan state fans who'd probably love to, you know, spit on him because he's a Michigan guy, but he is that good. And I think when specifically he's up against Jarrett Horst, you're going to see one of the top matchups in this game, if not the top matchup in the game, Michigan usually likes to line up Aiden Hutchinson on the field side, the wider side of the field. So, when Michigan State has the ball on the right hash, Shaq wear number 97 in, I guess he'll be in white, in blue and white and maize, whatever they're wearing. Check where he is. If he's lined up on, on Horst, watch it just for fun. It's going to be a great matchup. And when he's lined up on the other side, it's probably time to hold your breath a little bit. We're probably can't going to have to scheme to keep him away from the ball in those situations. I think if there's an area of of real concern on our offense. It's when Aiden Hutchinson lines up on the right side. Um, our right tackle has been rotating. It started as AJR Curie early in the year. I don't think he's injured. I think he's just not quite played up to the standards of our coaching staff. And they've, they've moved Jarvis back out there at times, or a couple other guys have been out there. Luke Campbell's been out there. Um, but in any case, it's not a strength in our offensive line. And uh, he is, he is that good. The rest of the D line, it's going to be a pretty solid, uh, 50 50 matchup, I think, to block them with our offensive line. But wherever Aiden Hutchinson is, you got to be really, really careful. And if you're putting a tight end on him, you're you're done. So I think um, that's definitely I think Jay Johnson's going to use a lot. I, I, from just gathering your reading tea leaves, I think you're going to see a lot of, uh, like you said, especially if he's lined up over that right side, I think you're going to see him bring a tight end over there to help. Uh, bring a running back in on that side to help. Uh, you, you're going to see a lot of, um, you know, maybe Connor Hayward lines up on the left side as the tight end there. They see uh, they see Hutchinson lined up on the right, and, and Thorne will recognize it, bring him into motion to get over to that side to to give uh, whoever that is, like you said, whether it's Jarvis or Campbell or Arcuri, to just give him some help, give him a good chip, give him a, give him something to to slow him down because. I, I think he is every bit better than Rashawn Gary was there. I think Rashawn Gary got a lot of hype. I don't think the production ever really matched it. Uh, I think Hutchinson's a better player than Rashawn Gary. That dude, I, he is a hell of a football player, and uh, he can really cause some problems for you if you're if you're not careful. Yeah, and the last I guess stud that obviously a lot of eyes will be on is is Daxton Hill another potential All-American. Um, he's kind of their box safety, similar to Xavier Henderson. You mentioned they play a little more too deep these days because they, they got beat on one deep. So Hill might be a little further up than Henderson typically plays, but he is, I mean, you can kind of take your pick on on who has the better strong safety in this matchup. I know a lot of MSU fans love Xavier Henderson, myself included. He's one of the best safeties in the Big Ten, but Daxton Hill's right up there with him. And whether it's stopping the run or playing coverage 
or whatever else he's asked to do, uh, he's, he's really good at it. And um, the same article you mentioned, Nick Baumgartner did a great write-up. He did a, how is Michigan going to beat Michigan state? He also did a, how is Michigan state going to beat Michigan? Both great reads, but you know, he mentioned that um, Michigan's new coordinator, defensive coordinator, McDonald from the Ravens likes to put Aiden Hutchinson and Daxton Hill in uh, on the field side and overload the boundary side and just kind of dare you say, there's a ton of space out here. There's not a lot of defenders out here. I dare you to put the ball out here and, uh, and go up against our two monsters and Michigan state's going to try at some point with their athletes. And that's where you're going to, you're going to watch, you know, does Kenneth Walker have the ability to make Daxton Hill miss in the hole or does Jarrett Horst have the ability to hold him off on a deep play action long enough to get the ball out. Uh, Those are the things we're going to be watching and, and it could be, the difference between a win and a loss in this one. I think the rest of the teams, you know, this matchup in particular, and I, I feel really privileged to have it in front of us because I don't remember a game in this rivalry in my life that has felt this evenly matched. Um, and maybe a little bit of that is hindsight because I know how some of the games played out when the rankings were close. Um, but going into this one, usually you can feel a little bit of like, yeah, you know, Michigan, it's a little stronger this year, but you never know it's a rivalry or vice versa. This one for me, uh, and we'll get into predictions and I'll have some other kind of factors that play into my prediction, but just on paper, neutral field, these two teams lining up against each other, it's as close as it's ever been. And it's going to come down to which playmakers are able to make plays in this game. That that was so surprising to me. We we talked about it a little bit, like the the point spread on this one. It opened up so last week before Michigan played Northwestern, the line on DraftKings was Michigan minus two. After Michigan played Northwestern, the line opened up at Michigan minus four and a half, which was really surprising to me because I don't know what we saw from Michigan in that Northwestern game that was any different than what we've seen all year. Um, So maybe that was just a result of, you know, people pouring in early money on it uh, before that Northwestern game. And they decided to just adjust it or whether it was something that they saw in the game. Uh, I'm not really sure, but like you said, I think this is a really even matchup. Generally speaking, you get about three points on the point spread for being the home team. So that would imply that Michigan is about a touchdown better than Michigan State, which I, I just can't believe. I know there, there are a few more factors that go into how those point spreads are set. Uh, most importantly, who they think is going to bet one side or the other on that. So I know Michigan is a fan base that that bets a lot of money uh, in, in the gambling market. So I, I know they can move a spread by themselves, but uh, that, that was really interesting to me. I think, you know, before we, we, you know, kind of, we got a few more things before we close out here. One thing as far as like on the field stuff that I want to make sure we get to is it, this kind of goes for both sides here. Michigan has scored first in every game this year. They have led at halftime at every game this year. And they've really been losing for about five minutes of game time this year. That was the Nebraska game, late third quarter, early fourth quarter. They were down by three. This team hasn't been put in a position all year long to play from behind. And if Michigan State's offense can get out to an early lead, whether that's a a big play on play action that can really open up the, the scoring early for us, if we can get to an early lead in this one, I'm really curious how that plays out. 
because you know they're they're going to be forced to they're not going to chuck the ball 50 times that's just no matter what the score is no matter what the down and distance is they're not going to throw the ball 50 times right but it's going to force them to throw a little bit more than they're comfortable doing so that that would be interesting on that side on the other side if if Michigan's offense gets out there and and gets the early lead on Michigan State how does that impact number 1 Michigan's ability to just pound the rock and run the ball 50 times and, and not force Cade to throw the ball more than 10, 15 times, like we've seen at times this year. Um, and, and you really force Peyton Thorne to, to carry the team and, and not really rely as much on Kenneth Walker. I, I think whoever gets out to an early lead in this one is going to have a huge advantage given the dynamics of how these teams like to play. So uh, especially from the Michigan side. So yeah, that's going to be, I think when I'm thinking about, who can win this game, who's going to win this game. That's my number one thing, uh, to be honest, is is who gets out to a hot start. And that matters a lot in rivalry games and in any game, but especially with the dynamics on field in the X's and O's department here, early it's going to be massive in this game. Yeah, totally agree. It's always huge, but in this one in particular, just with how these teams are built, Um, neither of them is really truly built to come back from behind I mean I'd love to say we are but uh, and we have been down at times but never very much right and uh, and you saw in close games at Indiana and in Nebraska that uh, our passing game can struggle when we need to rely on it a little bit and uh, thankfully we made just enough plays in those games to uh, to come out with the win but same thing with Michigan and you mentioned they haven't been in that position but um, even when they have in closer games tried to rely on their passing game a little bit more. They usually are left to go back to the run game to really get the support they need. So whoever ends up behind, if it ends up being a multiple possession game for that team, uh, it's going to be shaky real quick. Um, And the other factor here that I think can't be downplayed, especially this year is home field advantage. Um, Obviously it's huge in a rivalry game. It's always huge in any game, but especially in a rivalry, um, the first game in front of fans in Spartan Stadium against Michigan under Mel Tucker. Uh, obviously, there's been plenty of excitement for the program, and that place is going to be crazy. I'd be surprised if it isn't one of the best game day atmospheres that's ever visited East Lansing. Obviously, a lot has been made of the pregame shows and just all the national hype around the game, but just in the stadium, it is going to be an exceptional atmosphere. And how how does Michigan And to a degree, how does Michigan State respond to being in front of an atmosphere like that? Remember, these are teams that did not play in front of fans last year at all. So how do they respond in front of a vicious crowd? And sometimes that's a little added pressure for the home team, right? It helps, certainly, especially when you're on defense, but it's also a little added pressure. There's a lot more nerves. There's just a lot more energy involved and, uh, and that can that can influence players in a variety of different ways. And a lot of the younger guys um, maybe have never really played meaningful snaps in front of a crowd like this at all. Um, so Michigan had a really intense game against Nebraska. So I'll give them credit there that they held their own and they did what they had to to win that game. And that was a hell of an atmosphere. Um, but this is a rivalry game, too. So how does that home field advantage uh, play into this game? Obviously, on paper, it's a huge advantage. But. You never know. Michigan State's got a lot of young players, too, and they're going to have to keep their head on straight in front of a lot of really, really, really amped up fans. Yeah, truly game of the week uh, atmosphere here nationally. Like you said, I mean, college game day there. Fox's big noon kickoff is there. 
I know CBS has a crew that's going to be there. Uh, we've, we've talked about, uh, I don't think I, I can speak for both of us here. We're not big bar stool guys, but I know they're going to be there two hours from the, or two miles from the stadium doing a pregame show. Everybody is in East Lansing. Everybody is talking about this game this week. This is the most nationally hyped Michigan, Michigan state game. I can ever remember extremely could like, couldn't be more excited to sit down and watch this one. I wish to, to the high heavens that I could be in East Lansing this weekend. Um, unfortunately, as we've mentioned on the podcast before, uh, neither of us are local guys uh, anymore. We've both since moved away from East Lansing, but you know, we kind of have to pick our spots as far as how the season's going to play out and scheduling how it works out. But man, I would kill to be in East Lansing for this one. It's going to be really exciting either way. Uh, but anything else here before we wrap this up, Scott? No, I just say keep an eye on chaos plays, right? We haven't mentioned special teams. We haven't mentioned turnovers. Those can have an enormous impact on any game. Uh, they can rear their ugly head for any team in any game, or they can save a game. We watched Michigan State beat Nebraska thanks to, to special teams, and and both these teams have been taking care of the ball really well. So any turnover in this one's going to be a huge swing. Um, and yeah, I mean anything can happen here. I'm like you. I'm really excited. I'm sitting here. It's Tuesday night. I'm already shaking just talking about the game. I'm so pumped. Um, we're trying to be objective here for this breakdown. I hope it was pretty good. I hope we didn't get too ahead of ourselves. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the energy throughout the week is going to stay high and I'm, I'm psyched. Yeah. Picks coming Friday, uh, obviously as we always do. So make sure you're tuned in for that one. Subscribe. If you haven't already follow us on Twitter. Uh, if, if you're following along on Twitter, you would see that in about 15 minutes from right now, as we're recording, um, we're going to go live with a couple national folks on 990 WBOB radio. Um, so we're really excited about this opportunity. The thing is growing people, let me tell you, uh, and we have you guys to thank for it, uh, man, enjoy the game this weekend. If you can't catch us on Friday, uh, just, just sit back, enjoy and, and watch uh, a good old fashioned Michigan, Michigan state game. As we always do, it's, it's going to be a great one. I, I think this one's building up to be an all-time classic. I just get that feeling, man. So I'm really excited. Can't wait. Uh, until Friday, go green, go white. Take care, folks.